0: I hope I can steal a little summoning from you, Dave. Three balls, two strikes, the pitch! Swing a long drive! Deep left field! Going! Going! The score! pumping time The
1: green light flashes, the flags go up Churning and burning, they yearn for the cup
0: They deftly maneuver and muscle for rank
1: Welcome to Stats on Deck. This is the 15th episode so far. We started earlier in the in the spring, and we're still going, so that should tell you we appreciate everybody tuning in. I'm Nick Laporte, joined by Jake Adams. As
0: always, Jake, tell me why you hate Andrew Luck. <laughs> I don't hate Andrew Luck, but I will tell you, disaster has struck for Team Ice Coffee in our fantasy league. Right. Uh, I Tell them the story... <laughs>
1: Our fantasy draft was last Thursday. Yes. And Andrew Luck retired Saturday evening. So, so, go ahead.
0: We had done our draft, and, you know, we're all pretty intelligent. We'd taken our quarterbacks in the middle rounds, right? And I had thought, like, you had just picked up Patrick Mahomes, so yep. that was kind of my intention. It was now, like, go get yourself a quarterback. Right. So... Through this, I was like Andrew Luck had a great year last year. Mm-hmm. Through a bunch of touchdowns, He's second kind of, in the league in touchdowns, thirty nine. Yep. He's kind of a gunslinger, mm-hmm. but I was like, this is a great pick, and yeah, I was absolutely hap- I was happy with my quarterback situation. And then I, I think get- we can agree
1: before we knew the retirement news. Outside of Mahomes, I think you're looking at Rogers, Breeze, and Luck as the as the guys that round out the best fantasy quarterbacks.
0: Absolutely. So. I drafted him, I felt great about the pick, and then you text me, and I get group messages blowing up my phone, telling me that, like, making fun of me, saying, ha, 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 nice pick, all these other things, and I'm like, what is going on? Like, everybody's making fun of me, but nobody's giving me any context. And I go on Twitter, and I see Andrew Luck trending, and I'm like, oh, dear God, no. He's probably hurt, like, is what you're thinking. Like, he got hurt. Yeah. Right. Like, he, he got
1: hurt again. Or he's going to miss a season or whatever.
0: Right. And then I click on the trending Twitter icon, and the first tweet is from Adam Scheffner. Yeah. And it's, Andrew Luck has decided to retire at the age of 29. Right. Um, yeah. So, I would say, what? like, as
1: far as reporters go, woe just the guy in the NBA. Yep. Then you have um, the coward Ken Rosenthal and Jeff Passan at ESPN uh, for baseball. Yep. And then football's guy is Adam Schefter. He, no he doubt. works for ESPN. He breaks pretty much every story. Um, I think everybody in the entire universe assumed his account was hacked when he tweeted that.
0: Yeah, absolutely. Nobody thought – because you know, like, the fake Ken Rosenthal yeah. accounts and things like that. People just trying to be funny and get attention. But, yeah, I was like, what are you talking about? Like – he, he retired. I was like okay so my mind immediately went to well nice pick jake yeah true but and after getting over the initial shock you like trying to understand you're like okay so this guy could be a potential mvp candidate right yep. he's 29 he just like you said was second in the league last year i think behind, he, i think behind
1: mahomes he, he was uh, the next highest odds to win mvp this year
0: right and you're like he's got he's got the latter half of his prime ahead oh, of yeah. him and he's retiring.
1: Right. And they finally got an offensive line around him. Right. Kept him upright for a year. He turned in basically his best statistical year. Yep. Um, I think they won nine or ten games in a row. I think it was nine games in a row to get into the playoffs. They started off one and five. Right. And then I, th- I think they finished ten and six. Yep. So, you know, good on Andrew Luck for that. Um, what's his name? T.Y. Hilton. Marlon Mack. All these guys on the Colts finally coming together and getting back to the playoffs. Um, You're thinking, at minimum, if Luck can stay healthy, he's got seven or eight years
0: of good quality football left in him. No question. And the other thought is, like, quarterbacks, there are rules now in place. Like, quarterbacks don't take nearly the amount of abuse that quarterbacks even, you know, 10, 15 years ago took. Oh, absolutely. It's kind of...
1: Um I the previous Colts general manager um his name is escaping me right now. Uh yes. Ryan Grigson. Oh yeah. Um it's kind of a testament to how bad he was at his job that in this era Luck got so physically worn down that he retired before age 30.
0: Right. So it, it no it, it's a great point because you you would think that if you have like you had basically a franchise quarterback that you drafted right out of college, right? Yep. And you weren't able to get him a legitimate offensive line until seven years into his career. Right. Which he, is ridiculous. He was taking abuse at a ridiculous rate. Right, and he's getting hurt. And as he explained in his press conference, he he starts out, he gets hurt, he rehabs, he, he finally gets healthy, he plays for a little bit the rest of the season, then in the cycle just repeats. And he was on this four-year stretch of like bad injury after yep. bad injury. I mean... Tearing your labrum as a quarterback is mm-hmm. is is crazy, but having going through this cycle of you know hurt rehab play hurt rehab play yeah you know it was wearing down on him and like he said and I I totally get it it took his joy away from what he was doing and football is not a game that you can play right. if you don't love it because the the sport is brutal it, it and
1: you know especially for him taking the the hits that he took getting sacked as often as he did. You really do have to be obsessive about your love for the game. Like, I look at Tom Brady, age 42 now, going in for another season. Uh, He doesn't take the amount of hits that a lot of guys do because he's smart enough to throw the ball away a lot, but he's still getting knocked down. And for him to still play at age 42, it tells me, uh, with no offense to Giselle or the kids, football is number one in his life. That's all he cares about.
0: Yeah, I think he's found a way to balance it. But you, everybody knows what definitely takes precedence and what's going to probably continue to until right. he's 45. Right.
1: Like, I look at Brady, Peyton Manning, Drew Brees, even Aaron Rodgers. You know, the, the great quarterbacks of our era. Yeah. They're all playing into their late 30s and even early 40s because they all love the game that much. And I think although Luck had the talent and the ability to reach that level— for him mentally, he just couldn't get there with loving the game more than the drawbacks of it.
0: Right, like as nobody, I don't think either of us are going to sit on this podcast and defend, you know, the NFL and and what that game does to your right. body. You right. know what I mean? So this is for anybody, and there there weren't many of them. I can't remember the guy that got torn up on Twitter for yeah. for accusing for basically blaming luck for for stopping now. For for a sport that will deteriorate yeah. your mind and your body as quickly as it does and as brutal as it is on your body, you can't fault anybody no. for stopping football at any time. And I'm talking from pee wee football all yeah. the way to the NFL. When when you're done, you're done. Absolutely, and, and, and that's okay because this this sport, like I said, is it's in my opinion, it is the most harmful sport to your body. Yes, and. No human being should not willingly or you know half-heartedly put themselves through that. Oh he yeah,
1: he should not be risking long-term health just to play out a contract, for example. And
0: I'm saying this and I drafted the guy right. as my quarterback. No, I think
1: <laughs> just I think there's a middle ground though. Like, um, so I respect his decision and I think, you know, you do what's best for you. For Andrew Luck, what's best for him is to step away from the game. Yep, you know. Try to preserve his long term health. He wants to be able to like be around for his kids to grow up and like, let go play catch in the backyard without like falling over and stuff like that. But I also think it's okay as a Colts fan or as a fantasy owner or whatever to kind of be disappointed. It, it it's not offensive to say that you you know you wanted him to play longer than he did. No, I think that's a you. But you doubt. can yeah, you can still respect his decision and agree with it while also. Being like, you know what, I really wish I could have seen Luck for another 5
0: to 10 years. Absolutely. Where do you stand on the, the fans booing him off the field?
1: I understand. I don't really appreciate ever booing like my own team or my own players. Um, very, very rare. Like When Bryce Harper comes off to bat in Nats Park, you better believe I'm booing louder than anybody. But that's because he's an opponent. Right. Um, booing your own guys is a rough one. I think it was it was a gut reaction um, and I I think a lot of those fans probably regret it. I would hope you know you don't want your last memory of Andrew Luck on a football field booing him off the field as his fans.
0: I right, and I understand the initial like you see it on your phone, like the first place you go to as a Colts fan because you're you're finally yeah. in serious contention not I'm, only in your division but you're a legitimate Super Bowl contender. Excuse me, right to to win a Super Bowl and. I understand the initial gut reaction. There's probably not a lot of thinking, and it's very emotional. Yeah. You know what I mean? Where it's just like, oh, this guy's a... You, you feel left. You feel abandoned. Mm-hmm. You feel like he's quitting. All of these other things. But I think I think if you were to give... Like, like let's just say it was a practice day, and he announced his retirement. I think if he were to show up to the field a week later and stuff yeah. like that, and everybody could sit with it for a while, I think you'd find the majority of, of Colts fans and people would not have booed him. Well, I think...
1: I think um... I don't know who leaked the story to Adam Schefter. Uh, the popular opinion seems to be the the owner of the Colts. Again, I'm forgetting his name. Jim Ursay. Uh yeah, Ursay, you know, who who does talk to the media a lot. Um Not a I fan, could see <laughs> I could see it have been him. It could have been a friend or somebody who heard the news. I think it's a a bad look for Schefter to tweet that out during a game when Luck was planning on doing a press conference Sunday, right. and he was gonna do it the right way. And um, it, it's just it, it seems very low ball to me of Schefter. To I know there's an obsession with breaking news, and that is his job. But uh, when we're talking about like the fans wouldn't have booed Luck if he was able to do it his own way, and he had to scramble and uh, throw together his thoughts, you yep. know, after just going through what he said was the hardest decision of his life. You know, I feel for him. I think he gave everything he had to the Colts for seven years, and he couldn't go on anymore, and I,
0: I respect that. I do, too. I mean, I, I can't say anything bad about, about the guy. He's a fantastic teammate. He's a good person. He's extremely intelligent. Right. Like, there was, there was a clip that they showed on—I um, found it on Facebook, but it was on Instagram and other places— and it's basically just a compilation of Andrew Luck getting hit by defensive linemen. Yep. And every time he gets hit, he slaps somebody on the ass. He's like, great hit, bro. Yeah. Like, that's the kind of guy he
1: was. Um, I think you'd be hard-pressed to find a player in the NFL that didn't respect Andrew Luck. Oh, yeah. And uh, what really sells it for me that that uh, I I respect his decision is every single player or former player or former right. coach has come out in support of him and i think that shows a lot that uh the physical toll these guys go through and then it you know it s- stretches into the mental health area uh if andrew luck is like legitimately having physical and mental difficulties because of playing football you have to step away you're doing yourself
0: a disservice to keep playing no question no and and it's and ultimately nobody else is standing in there and taking hits from like Behemoth freak yeah. athlete.
1: He's in a division with JJ Watt. He's getting knocked down pretty much like five times a half. No, no question. And and, and if you've played football, like even like just with your friends in the backyard, like you hit each other pretty freaking hard. Well, yeah. And we're talking about the guys who are the best at this, and these guys are like 300 pounds and six and a half feet tall. They're There's per- no way that anybody could go through that
0: and be like, you know what? I loved getting knocked down all the time. <laughs> These behemoth men, their whole their whole premise, the whole reason they work out, the whole reason they do what they do is to attack the quarterback. And to hit somebody yep. as hard as they can, right? And and to overpower their opponent. And if you stand in there for several years, yes. Several years. years. Year, not not a couple games, not a couple no. of football games, 16 in high school. games a year. 16 games a year at the NFL level. Like nobody if you're not a professional football player, yeah. And and you have any type of gripe with this, you have no you're in no position to talk because you've never you've never <laughs> stayed in and taken a hit right. from JJ Watt bum rushing you and right. hitting you Charlie horsing you from the backside and, and whiplashing your neck,
1: and this isn't even to mention the fact all like we know of all the injuries Andrew Luck has publicly had. Yep. We don't know the stuff that was going on that they don't tell us. Like he's had concussions before. There's no doubt about it. Yep. He was going through that shoulder problem that he didn't tell anybody about. Uh, there was a mysterious ankle slash calf injury just a couple weeks ago. Um, I will tell you, like football players not to the extent of NHL players, but they try to keep their injuries quiet. Yep. They go through hell over the course of years of play. And we don't even hear about it. We don't hear word one about a lot of it. Like, uh, Not to get too um personal, but when I was playing in high school, mm-hmm. I was dealing with a broken tailbone and like a partially torn shoulder without ever going to the athletic trainer. Because that's just what you do when you play football. You man up and keep playing
0: and it hurts a lot. Oh, no. I, I did not play football play with my friends and, and and stuff like that, but as, as somebody that played sports in high school and yeah. and I played baseball and I played I played basketball. I mean, you twist your ankle, you pull a hamstring, your shoulder's sore, like, you know, all of these things. I you don't talk to people because you don't want to come out of the game. You know right. what I mean? You, you don't want to play. You don't want to disappoint anybody. And and usually for athletes, even at the high school, college level, like a lot of your joy comes from playing. Right. That's the thing. Uh, it can't ever pa- – it still has to be
1: fun. If yep. it's not fun for you, then no you question. shouldn't play. And uh, I did see – I don't know if it was Bill Simmons or Cousin Sal. Somebody made this point. Um, Nobody – at the end of a football season is like, oh man, I wish there were five more games this year. No. The the at any level, the amount of relief you feel when the football season's over is unparalleled. And I think that says a lot about injuries and a lot about the game. And um, I just want to wish Andrew Luck the best of luck. Absolutely. No pun intended. <laughs> um, and I will say, you know, he the door is open for a return. Oh, if, yeah. if he, you know, if he feels like he wants to come back in a couple years. He's young enough where where this isn't a permanent decision necessarily. No. It'd be one thing if he was thirty five. He's he's only turning thirty in September. Um, I I would say right now it feels like we've seen the last of him in the NFL, but maybe
0: not. No, but, I don't think I, I I'll tell you. I definitely I don't know for sure, but I definitely think there is an option to return. No question. But I I guess I guess to wrap this all up, I I think it's great that he chose and decided what he wanted to do and and was in control of his own choices. Yeah. Nobody should be forced to do something especially as physically punishing as that. And I have nothing but respect and admiration for somebody that even... I mean, God knows he could have stayed in there, made money, had his body deteriorate, not enjoyed it, and, and fought through all of that to make more money. But I respect him.
1: I mean, he's not hurting for money, but let's keep in mind he turned down... A guaranteed 70 million dollars over the next four years right just or three or four years just because he couldn't do it anymore i respect him for that i know he's not poor like he's definitely made money in his his career but um you gotta really like have the balls basically to turn down that kind of money no that tells me a lot about his character like uh he could have just stayed in there and half-assed it for the money no question he didn't he didn't feel like he could do it anymore and um yeah best of luck to luck i wish him luck
0: nothing but respect seriously and
1: um you know even if the only thing we ever get out of him like in the future is as a commentator as a coach or uh even whatever he decides to do personally uh the seven years we did get from him were pretty awesome like i'm thinking about uh that comeback against the chiefs earlier in his career yep um he never had, like, a signature MVP moment. He obviously never won a Super Bowl. Couldn't get past the Patriots. Couldn't ever get past the Patriots. But um, he had a really solid start to his career. Um, and, yeah, it definitely feels like there was more story to be told with him. Absolutely. But, um, yeah, best of luck to you, Andrew Luck. And uh, definitely we respect uh, any time a guy's going to step away, you know, doing what's right for him
0: good on you, sir. Absolutely. Because I just last thing, I mean, it, it's not easy to do the, basically do the thing that you're put on the planet to do, yeah. right? This is what you're best at, right? Right. You're, you, you've kindled friendships with coaches with teammates. You have, this is your, this is like your love. Yeah. Football's been there when people, you know, for friends who love people, football has been there as basically, I'm sure as a therapy or as a, as a relief or a getaway, for for things to deal with in life and to recognize where he is, his mindset towards football and to walk away from it when he did and not stay too long, nothing but respect.
1: Yeah. So um, one more thing I wanted to talk about before we take a break real quick. Um, Obviously today Kobe and Shaq went went after (laughs) each other again. Um, Oh, yeah. Paraphrasing here, Kobe said something along the lines of, uh we could have won 12 championships if Shaq had my work ethic and um oh. Shaq fired back uh, something along the lines of uh like I was always better than you anyway. <laughs> uh and then uh we we came down to it and uh Kobe told Shaq uh he, he there's no bad blood which we all believe. There's no bad blood between the two of them. <laughs>
0: As I stare at you with disbelief.
1: And then Shaq (laughs) replied back something like, It's all good, bro. Um, I thought you were talking about Dwight anyway. And he spelled (laughs) Dwight (laughs) wrong. He spelled Dwight wrong on purpose. And then said, Is this how you spell it? Uh, I think one thing that has brought them closer together is their hatred of Dwight Howard. And so that's a good thing.
0: Um, Dwight Howard really just loses at the end of this.
1: (laughs) Dwight Howard's just like minding his own business. And he gets the notifications and everybody's texting. Him like, yo, Shaq and Kobe went after you again, dude. He's like, this has got to stop. This is like, I thought I was done with this
0: five years ago. Let me ask you a question. What year are we in? It's 2019.
1: When's the last time Shaq
0: and Kobe played together? They
1: last played basketball in the 2004 finals together. Good Lord! I'm pretty sure that's correct. Or was it oh three maybe? No, I think it was 2004. They
0: lost to the Pistons, right?
1: They won 99-2000-2001. Something about O two and O three doesn't jive with me and then I think O four was the Pistons year. If we're wrong you can yell at I us. I think O three was the Spurs one that year and yeah. I don't remember. O two was was that the the Nets made the finals against somebody?
0: I don't know. I don't but, care. But but here's uh, the thing. Yeah. It's not it fifteen, it's 15 years. It's been fifteen years. At least minimum fifteen and years. And we're still ago. talking about this crap. This like
1: uh, obviously, we weren't like coherent during two thousand four. We were eight year olds, so we, we weren't really in on the Shaq and Kobe, Shaq and Kobe beef back then. But uh, this is the, the story that stands the test of time. So, did they
0: do the like weird sit down friendship thing? They did.
1: Yeah. Okay. That's where it ends, right? It. I shouldn't be hearing about Shaq and Kobe arguing with each other when
0: both have been retired for years. Let's just, you know what, I'm just going to say this. I understand that Shaq's probably one of the greatest centers. I mean, I'm not going to oh, go. without a doubt. He's, he's, he's definitely in the conversation for best center of all time. Kobe Bryant, one of the best shooting guards to ever play the game. Yeah. Not the best shooting guard of all time. True. But let me just ask a question. Are either one of them better than LeBron? Well, that's an interesting question. <laughs> I don't think so. Well, see, I don't think so either. I All around, as an all-around player, I don't think either one's better than LeBron. So this is what I want. Yeah. I want both of them to shut their retired asses up. Yeah. Make me laugh on countdown check, or I mean on Um, on TNT. Inside
1: the NBA. Inside
0: the NBA. Make me laugh, okay? Kobe, Kobe. you keep doing your documentaries and your weird... Right. uh, Just go back to watching WNBA games and stay out of my life.
1: Right. Um, I do want to say, in defense of Kobe Bryant, the player... Oh, I don't like that. The player. (laughs) In defense of Kobe Bryant, the player. Sure. Um... Kobe, like, he spent his entire career getting compared to Michael Jordan, and every single thing he did was never as good as Jordan because they're, they're so similar, but Jordan was more successful in almost every way. I know Kobe ended up passing him in all-time points, but uh, I think we can all agree Michael Jordan was the better player in every no way. Um, I want to say I think Shaq hurts Kobe in that regard because Michael Jordan was never on a team with a player better than him. And maybe that's because he was the best player. But imagine for a moment Michael Jordan gets drafted by the Rockets, and he's playing with Hakeem Olajuwon, like for the first six years of his career. They absolutely win rings because we're talking about one of the best centers and probably the best shooting guard ever. Right. Um, I wonder how that would work if Hakeem comes in and is dropping you know twenty eight and twelve, and Michael Jordan's averaging like twenty two points a game for the first few years do we still think of him as the best player ever?
0: That's an interesting point. I have not played. I
1: had this thought earlier today. Uh, I, like I was this. like this. This is my corner, I guess, on Kobe. While I agree he's not like probably not one of the top five players ever to play the game, in my opinion, I think he's hurt by that early part of his career where uh, everybody knew Shaq was better than him for at minimum like the first three years. Right. And it kind of hurts his legacy because it's like, when, when you were the second-best player on your team, you won three rings. When you were the best player on your team, you won two. So
0: That's interesting that you bring that up because I never thought of Michael Jordan being on a team with somebody better than him. But if right. it's at the beginning stages of his right. career, there there were. There were guys like Magic Johnson, right. Larry Bird, Hakeem Olajuwon. You know what I mean? Guys right. that were better than him initially because they were older and all those other things. Right. That's I, I really like that. Obviously, I, I wouldn't... Pr- I have not really? prepared or thought long enough on this, right. but I will tell no, you. I just
1: wanted to mention
0: it, it would, t- in my eyes, in my eyes, if he were to have one rings, yeah, with Hakeem Olajuwon, for instance. I mean, right? that's
1: the closest comparison I can come up, or right.
0: or Kareem, for example. I definitely view him more toward, like, more similarly to Kobe Bryant than I do to like standalone lot, Michael Jordan. A lot of Jordan's
1: that's, that's aura good. of greatness comes from the fact that. Uh, he kept getting beat by the bad boy Pistons and the Celtics earlier in his career. So and then worked out and got stronger. And he and... got stronger, and he defeated all his demons, won three in a row as the best player, retired for two years, and then won three more in a row as the best player. Um, like, that context right there is probably enough to make him the best player ever f- for that generation. Yep. But let's just say, for example... um he wins three rings in the first five years of his career, playing second fiddle to Kareem Abdul-Jabbar, who is still at the height of his powers, then doesn't win until his late 20s, early 30s again, and then wins, let's just say he wins five straight, and then retires. So in the end, he probably has more rings, but I don't know if you can call him the undisputed best player ever, which is where we were until LeBron came in, and I think you and I agree LeBron... uh, has a, has the chance to be the best player ever in our eyes, but Michael Jordan for for many many years now has been undisputably the best player ever. Right. The
0: the thing that, well, this is how I've always I know this is like the most generic like, you know, barstool talk, right? But in my eyes, and I've said this to you many times, and I do truly believe this, Michael Jordan, right? If yeah. you need a bucket. Yeah. To win any game, whether it's right. just a preseason game, a regular season game, or the championship, right? If if I need a bucket, if I if I need to score, I don't want the ball in anybody else's hands. Right. I want Michael Jordan with He's the ball. He's the guy. There's no question. Undisputed. As an overall, all-around best player, defensively, offensively, you're taking just the perfect, Managing the game. Managing the game. Perfect body type. Yeah. Everything. All of the the physicality, the... That, you know, well, here's
1: what here's what I'll say about LeBron versus Jordan. Jordan's probably better at scoring, but to me, that's it. But, and well, and LeBron scores 28 points a game, so it's not like Jordan has that much of an
0: edge over him. Well, the, and this is this is what I, this is the point I'm yeah. gonna make. It. He's already passed him in the all-time scoring list, mm-hmm. right? So my whole thing is that LeBron James. Whether it's the genetic lottery of being basically a 6'8 linebacker, right, with the ability to jump higher and, you know, defensively, but the ability to think through the game, passing, rebounding, managing the game, getting a shot when you need it. He's the most complete all-around player that the league has ever seen. There's, right. it's, it, it, in my eyes, personally, and I know that I'm biased because I didn't watch, you know, Kareem Abdul-Jabbar or Bill Russell or right. it, Wilt the Stilt, the whole deal, but... I mean, you just look at LeBron James, I mean that is the perfect basketball player. Right. It, I think
1: all time draft it's a Le, perfect LeBron's the first overall pick
0: in the history of the NBA. For me at least. And I, don't, I think
1: for you as well.
0: It, I tune out when people start in with narratives of like, Oh well, he didn't win a championship, he didn't right, perform right, a play. Right. I tune out with all of that because that's all of that's all like outside I'm, not factors. To, I'm not
1: trying to explain away the early part of LeBron's career because Two moments stick out to me um, as, like, knocks on his resume that Michael Jordan doesn't necessarily have. In 2010, his Cavaliers team only made it to the second round because he had one foot out the door. And then um, the other one that sticks out to me is the 11 finals against the Mavericks. That was, like, really his only moment where he wasn't, you know, LeBron at the height of his powers. But... When I look at, like, 07, he makes the finals and gets swept, that team was garbage. That was a garbage team around him, and he made the final. I look at uh, his last year in Cleveland. The corpse of Kevin Love is the best player on his team besides LeBron. That's not exactly... I mean, we're talking about Michael Jordan... (coughs) Excuse me. Scottie Pippen. LeBron didn't have a Scottie Pippen most of his career.
0: (coughs) No. No, you're absolutely right. And... What I go to with LeBron is it's just like you're talking about just all around. Like yeah. if you want to, all aspects of basketball, the mental side, you know, shooting uh, is the is where I would give Jordan the edge. But I we're right. talking rebounding, passing, yeah, thinking through the game, defensive positioning, defensive rebounding, running a game, taking over a game. I mean, it's, it's those moments complete. where LeBron really decides he has to
1: take over a game. The the knock on him for a lot of his career was he doesn't have the quote-unquote killer instinct like Jordan, which is bullshit, by the way. It's not real. Um, LeBron has that killer instinct. And if you've seen him in the finals when his team has a chance to win a game, he always wins that game. the Only when the odds are stacked against him so high is when he doesn't win. Like, I look at 2016 – Facing a superior Warriors team that won the most regular season games ever, all he needed was a little glimmer of hope, and he took over that Game 7. As we like to say... We've rewatched it. We've rewatched it. As we like to say... Uh, who was going up for the layup? Was it, oh, it uh, Iguodala. Uh, Iguodala for the layup. Oh, blocked by James! Oh, the humanity. Like Michael Jordan does not make that play. No, I know he doesn't. has signature defensive plays. Like I think he had the that steal in the Jazz series. Yeah. Um I don't know. I just I think if you put LeBron on that Bulls team, he still wins the six rings. Absolutely. I think if you put Jordan on uh, any of LeBron's Finals teams, I think he has less well, that, rings.
0: That's the point that I want to make. Is you take the first, you take the first years of of Michael Jordan's teams versus LeBron's teams. Yeah. Right? LeBron James made a championship. Right. He made a championship. Michael Jordan got knocked out in the Eastern Conference Finals three times. Isn't it more impressive
1: to have made it to, I believe, nine finals and win three than to make it and win all six? I mean, I guess maybe it's not more impressive, but it shows me that so far in his career, LeBron's made it that far more times. I don't think it's more impressive to lose in the second round like Jordan did a bunch of times. That doesn't impress me just because he has the six out of six record in the finals. He, he, his career was what, like 15 plus years? So he only made it six times. LeBron's made it nine times in, I think, 15 years, something like that. That's more impressive to me.
0: No, it is. And, and the point that I want to make too is through all six of, of Jordan's championships, right, he had Scottie Pippen who was a perennial you and know, Phil Jackson, and Phil Jackson is the coach a perennial team. Oh yeah, and
1: Scottie oh. Pippen's an all-time great player.
0: Filled with players all around him. Yeah. LeBron James was taking was was making series competitive against the Warriors with Matthew Dellavedova and right. J.R. Smith. Right, like um, that's what. But the, the only
1: time LeBron had a as good a team and coach and as lost. As, um, as Jordan was in Miami. Right, when he had in the Dallas Spolstra, And then he lost in the Dallas series, and then the Spurs got them, but. Let's be honest. Dwayne Wade was, you know, a shadow of himself, and Bosh wasn't playing great. No question. LeBron was still. Um, I guess if there is one criticism, every time LeBron's going to leave a team, he kind of has one
0: foot out the door already. He 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 completely sends teams ten years back when he leaves. Right. There's and no a, question. Um, I don't. And another thing is when LeBron leaves
1: the Cavaliers, uh, both times he tanks their seasons for the next like f- five years and. The Heat have recovered a little bit, but you know, they've they've never made it past the first round since he left. When Michael Jordan retired, Scottie Pippen led that Bulls team to another like forty five plus win season. Oh yeah. You know, so I, I just think uh it's easy for like the older generations to say Jordan's the best and for our generation to say LeBron's the best. But at the end of the day, like um like there is a legitimate argument out there for both. So yes. I, and I look at, you know, the, the forty to fifty year old people who refuse to accept LeBron could be the best ever. Just rethink your position. Because we're sitting here arguing in favor of
0: both of them, really. Why can't everybody do that? Right. Why can't why can't we see both sides? Can we have a dialogue? Maybe. Not we just, we
1: just had a dialogue and I think we all learned something.
0: Right. I don't I don't I don't understand the, the, the concepts of, of just sticking Sticking to one side so right. heavily that you can't even have a conversation with the other. It's just, a, just talk. It's a very,
1: like, generational thing that uh, I think the baby boomers, absolutely, and then even Gen X to an extent, mm-hmm. s- stick themselves in their ways. And whatever their opinion is, they will double down to death. Right. Whereas us younger people are kind of more willing to see both sides of the story. Then again,
0: there's some of us that aren't, but Right.
1: Well, I mean, I didn't want to bring up Serena
0: Williams, (laughs) Don't talk about that. That's where we're
1: going (laughs) to take our break. break. (laughs) Um, When we come back, we're going to talk about Succession, the HBO show. Um, If you're not current through season two, episode three, please stop listening now. This is an official spoiler warning for Succession. Please. Uh, Please. Uh, we'll give you another spoiler warning before we talk about it. Uh, if if this is all you're listening to, thank you for listening. Uh, if you want to stick around and hear us talk about one of our new favorite shows, we will be right back. We're back. and We're talking Succession. This is the final spoiler warning. If you're not caught up through Season 2, Episode 3... I don't know what the real name of the episode is, but we're just going to call it The Bore on the Floor. If that does not make sense to you, stop listening now. Jake, what were your thoughts about this week's episode?
0: Bore on the Floor, baby. Bore on the Floor. Uh, I think we're getting a full glimpse at the total—and and although it makes me uncomfortable, and although Logan Roy— is a terrible person. He's a terrible father. When him. he's when he's on and he's yeah. firing a hundred and eight of yeah. not giving a royal fuck yeah. about anybody's you know morality no. or or common decency <laughs> or you know respect towards other. When he does not care, that's the best content you get in the show. Right. I think we all knew we were
1: in for some shenanigans when uh, they're at the corporate retreat um, in Hungary. In by Hungary, the way. and he's like. He's got all his executives in the building and he's like, Oh, just go ahead and eat all my food. Like you could tell he was already pissed off.
0: Well let's let's backtrack a little bit, right? he like, this has to be a positive experience. Right, this is for morale, which he says forty two thousand times, but it's all bullshit and we all know it. Let's let's backtrack this out. You're Logan Roy. You don't want an autobiography – you don't want a biography written about you. No. And somebody in your tight inner circle yes. has spoken to the person writing the book. You're pissed. You're, you're, you're angry. You're angry, and I want
1: to say before we get into it, um, Logan seems to be like almost fully recovered to me. Oh, like, he There is, were times is in able-minded. season one where he was like cracking – and the show opens with him pissing on the floor of his closet. Right, and then he's you know he's talking at that that dinner they have, and like he's he's basically just reciting a speech from memory because he doesn't even know what he's saying. Yep. And we go all the way from that to he's screwing over Kendall, um, messing like psychologically with Roman and Shiv all the time, and then he just comes out, whips it out, throws a hundred and eight with yep. bore on the floor. Bore
0: on the floor. And, and so getting back to this, so you've had somebody talk to the, the person writing the biography yep. and your inner circle. Betrayal. Betrayal. You're trying to do this massive merger, which nobody on your board is on. Nobody is, wants is, to do is, it. Is, is good with, right? The only
1: one who agrees is actually is Kendall because he literally
0: doesn't care about living it Because you've got his hands so far up his ass. you got yeah. your hand so far up his ass he can't think for himself, right? Exactly. So you've combined all that. Now, somebody leaked – Somebody leaked the merger, right? And and completely went behind your back and fucked your entire plan, right? And you're right. you're angry, you're pissed. What do you do? Well, you make an example of people? Yep. You you show them who big dog is. Yeah. Um, Logan Roy walks into <laughs> any room and he's the most
1: important person in that room, including in the room with the president. So uh, uh, you better believe he's gonna make Tom and Greg and some other. some random person. Uh, Born on the floor.
0: So, the whole point of this, right, is to just showcase the amount of pull and the amount of pressure that Logan Roy can put on anybody he wants because of the power that he has. And he basically makes grown ass adults crawl on the floor for mm-hmm. two sausages while verbally yeah. mocking them and verbally abusing his entire board, yeah. the heads of all of the si- different departments of his right. company. Just- right, Tom Wamsgams is the, is the co
1: head of the media division, which, is- which we are led to believe is like the most important part of the company. Yeah. And he's making Tom crawl on the floor, beg for a sausage.
0: Right. Do I want to be related to Logan Roy? No. Although... No, you I don't. Would be a billionaire. I don't want to. I don't want to. Right? I think
1: I would put up with it.
0: But is it entertaining as hell? Yes. You're damn right. One is.
1: thing, like, I see a lot of um, people say this about the show. They're like, uh, I can't root for any of the main characters. That's their reason they don't like the show. Were you rooting for people in The Sopranos? Or, right. Are you rooting for Walter White to murder another <laughs> person? Like, what, what? what is the line, like... This isn't like the '40s. We don't need to have like the the Mister America like clear cut protagonist. Yeah, I, I everything I do is right. Like we can have Logan Roy be the central figure in an episode where he's verbally abusing people, and we can appreciate that as content and not have to sit there and go, "Oh, I can't root for Kendall." You know, he's a he's a bad guy with a drug problem. I don't care. I like watching Kendall relapse. It's interesting to me. Well, let me ask you this: Have you ever met a perfect person? Because I've yet to. I uh, besides my dog, I don't think so.
0: Right, and the she... closest the closest I've ever got right is yeah. my, is my lovely girlfriend. And and I'll be completely honest with you, okay? The only see way if that, you're listening. Close yeah, your ears. You know, play, the only re, the only way she misstepped in not being perfect is she chose me. Okay? That's how she missed that. That's how I knew she wasn't perfect.
1: Okay. Okay? I guess she
0: can listen to that. Yeah. (laughs) But no, but going back to this is. There is no perfect person. Right. Humans are humans are conflicted. Like they're flawed people. They're flawed people. If I watch a show like you said from the nineteen forties, where I know the good protagonist guy, yeah. and he's gonna win in the end, I'm bored. I don't care. There's no conflict. There's no interesting factor. This is a show that shows the humanity of people, of really unlikable people. Yeah. And there are moments of where oh, I can see their perspective, and then yeah. there are other times of just being like, what a delusional asshole. Right. I
1: mean, and I don't even get that because, um. Greg is one of the central characters in the show, and you can absolutely root for Greg. You know, he's kind of the outsider. He doesn't do a lot of things wrong. He's reasonably likable. Um, But having said that... you, You don't have to like a person or a character 100%. Like... I, I appreciate Roman for what he is, but I still think he's arrogant, and he's, like, not good at his job, Absolutely. and he's kind of an asshole. But I, I can still appreciate
0: him as a character. No question. And the, 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 to your point about Greg, it's like, you think, like, oh, Greg's done the least amount of harm, and he's a nice of guy, guy. Greg is a loser, right? Who, right.
1: Has As Kendall used would say, who's... he's a little Machiavellian
0: fuck. <laughs> right, he's a little...
1: <laughs> a great I see.
0: <laughs> he's a, which... To, to your whole point is he's using what little familiar ties he has yeah. to bank his – basically his meal ticket right. life, which is one of the most pathetic things that you can do. I will say for Greg, um,
1: when I'm thinking about him, like my overall opinion of him is like, oh, he doesn't do you know horrible things the same way as the rest of them. He purposefully withheld documents and didn't, yes. and didn't shred them, which is already a bad thing to do. Shredding documents that are talking about like a horrible sexual assault scandal. Right. He withheld documents to later screw over Tom. Because he was told to. <laughs> he's like, he's not a good guy. No, none, no, none of these people none are. None of them are, but I love the But show. it's interesting as hell. It is. Like, the, I'll, I'll be honest. Logan Roy is an absolute piece of work. I was rooting for him to not let Kendall take over the company.
0: Now, here's what's interesting and I want to see if you agree with this. Have you ever seen a show that makes cocaine look so fun in one scene and looks so horrifying in another? Uh, They're definitely, (laughs) like,
1: uh, I think about things that, like, glorified drugs, Wolf of Wall Street comes to mind. Yep. This is on the other end. This is where, like, you can tell that the showrunner Jesse Armstrong and the team are like, don't do drugs. Do not do hard drugs. They will ruin your life.
0: Oh, okay, no, no question. Now, the other que- the other thing, and this is what I wanted to talk about with our succession bit here, is yeah. my personal favorite episode. Yes.
1: The Bachelor. The Bachelor Party. Yes. I think it's called Prague, even though they don't yeah, go there. But I call it The Bachelor Party. Yeah, but- it's The Bachelor, season one, episode eight. Um, Tom Wamsgans. I just like saying that. name. Yeah, it's just it's funny. so stupid, and it fits him really well. Like... Uh, he can't even like have. He can't be like Tom Smith. No. He has to be Tom Wamsgams because he's so out of place. Um, the bachelor party episode. Um, you a lot of lot of interesting like plot lines coming together. Yep. You have Kendall beginning to relapse. Uh, and trying to screw over his dad one final time before failing. Yep. Uh, you have. As Tom calls it, the the closed <laughs> loop. <laughs> what like the closed loop oh system uh God. we don't even have to get into that oh <laughs> i'm getting into I it i love i love the like the unspoken fact that um he told greg about it and then within like a couple hours greg had gone around high on cocaine telling everybody he met <laughs> he was like tom <laughs> swallow this you get the idea. But, like, the implication is that Greg was going around telling everybody in the entire building, and they all just go up to Tom, who has they don't respect in the slightest, and he just goes even lower on the list of people that are
0: respected. That whole episode is amazing to me. And basically how you can take, like, a simple concept where you're like, oh, they're going to go down on a jet, and they're going to try to recreate the hangover for an hour. Right. No, they go through, like... A five-part, like, underground cellar, like, basically drug, sex, and disco club, basically. Correct. Where everything is compton-free, right? Mm -hmm. In this underground part of New York where there are no rules. And,
1: like, you have, like, elite people in business and art and music and stuff. Coming together and, like,
0: engaging in ridiculous debauchery. Right. And it's – you kind of think <laughs> yourself, this is how the bachelor party, like, the most crazy bachelor party would go. Like this, this is where you would go.
1: If you put Roman Roy in charge of, like, setting up a bachelor party, this is where he goes. He doesn't take you to Vegas for a night and, you know, go to a couple strip clubs. He takes you to an underground party uh, where there are no rules. No rules. No laws. Just drugs
0: and sex. So I, I do want to get into this – we're adults here. Yes. This is in, this is important to talk about because there are a few times in at least my teenage to adult life where I have been truly dumbfounded by a piece of television or movie. Right. The concept... <laughs> I have to... I'm pulling a Mallory Rubin here yeah. and making the pod slightly uncomfortable, but I have to. The idea that Tom... and. It, the point has been so belabored in the seven previous episodes and then it continues on in the second season that Tom basically is just run by, you know, Shiv yeah. and, and the idea of being successful and, you know, having money and the elitist whole mentality that he will literally do anything and he is, like, he is so willing to d- diminish any self-value that right. he has in any way. To perfectly wrap that up in a bow... Jesse Armstrong, the creator of the show and the writer of the show, along with Will Ferrell and Adam McKay, come up with a concept. And Mark
1: Mylod from uh, Game of Thrones, director of some of the worst episodes, no offense. (laughs) Uh,
0: He's definitely in his lane with this show. To really just, as if they didn't beat it over the hammer enough that Tom is the biggest pushover on the planet. He, ty- he finally takes a little bit of a stand for himself, yeah. right? And he's, he's like, and I'm he at an open marriage, and it has an open marriage
1: and takes advantage of. And it. yeah, he's like, he's like, oh well, like I know Shiv's cheated on me, so I'm gonna return the favor. It's totally fine. <laughs> And he does it in the most Tom way. It couldn't be any more Tom. It's so stupid. He, he does it, but it ends in like the most disgusting, <laughs> degrading way possible. It's a closed loop, as he explained it. It's so closed... he basically didn't cheat.
0: What an idiot! What an absolute It's the most moron. Tom thing ever. If you if you have if you have watched the show, I don't need to get into it. But basically, just like the closed loop, is one of the most like, I I had to
1: pause the episode yeah. as I was watching it. I, I was absolutely, to... as you said, dumbfounded. <laughs> I was
0: like, did you really just say that? I paused the episode, and I was in between confusion and crying, laughing on yeah. the floor at how perfect that is. Absolutely. And it, it, you couldn't make it up. No. I mean, it was just so
1: like I don't know who came up with that idea. Well, somebody happened to. I just, you can't make it up. I'm telling no. you, Jesse Armstrong's best friend, yeah, Jesse closed Armstrong, the loop. knows somebody who closed the loop, and he was like, "I'm bringing this to HBO today." And by the way, um, Tom
0: coming up with the phrase of "close the loop," yeah, is so perfect.
1: Yeah, Tom has it's to. Such it's such a Tom way. His entire life, he's trying, like at least since you know becoming successful and marrying Shiv, he has to like explain away things so he doesn't go crazy and this is just the prime example of it where tom comes up with this idea like oh you know like i i cheated on my wife kind of um but like i also didn't and even though it was disgusting i'm gonna rationalize it and so, brag about it and brag about it
0: because i don't know how to deal with this kind of stuff the the it's, like, saying closing the loop for the, the gross, disgusting act that yeah. he did, right, is, is the perfect Tom thing. It's basically Tom is an expert at putting a bow on a heaping giant pile of shit. Yeah, that's right? correct. And everybody sees it as shit, but Tom's like, but I put the bow on top." He thinks, like, and this
1: just speaks to the character of Tom, like, so he works in parks, which is, like, a non-factor to their company. Right. And he thinks he's so important. Then he's like, I want to go higher up in the company. I'm going to go to television, news, media, um, which is also a dying sector of the company. Because as they keep saying, the future is in tech. And Tom is sitting there thinking he's swinging the biggest one in the company. (laughs) And uh, basically, as we find out in the most recent episode, the the only value he brings to Logan – is as a basically a sperm donor for his to get him a grandchild and Literally even that so. he doesn't
0: care about that much right he doesn't care about it. and the only other thing is he's basically a walkie talkie for his wife towards his towards Shiv's dad right that's that's it that's his story he's a proxy
1: yes for several things and he in his mind he's so important and he actually thinks he's in play to become CEO
0: and to Logan he's basically a low level employee Right, he, he's not, he, the only, he doesn't even register as the husband, as the son-in-law that he right. is, right? He's basically just another head in the room that he's not going to listen to.
1: I honestly think Logan would rather have Greg be his successor than uh, Tom Wom's Gams.
0: No question. So, my, alright, so, of all of the characters in yes. the show, up until this point, who has made you stop And just, like, you're just... Or who's made you stop and just laugh? Like, made you pause the show? Or made you, you know, just... Every time they're about to speak, you know it's going to be something, like, worth paying attention to. I would have to say, for me, um, every
1: single thing that Connor says is hilarious. Because he's so out of touch with reality. (laughs) That, like, he will come up with one and he will... I'm forgetting the correct phrase, like, decanting the wine. Through a blender. (laughs) Like, he comes up with that, and, like, uh, he's also, he he goes in that lane, and then he's also like, uh, I don't want to pay taxes. Not because, like, taxes hurt the common people, but because I don't want to pay them.
0: And that's, like, his presidential platform. The best part is when he looks into the camera and goes, try to arrest me, lock me away. Yeah. Go ahead and try, and (laughs) hold down his arm as if somebody's going to handcuff him. And anybody, like, ship's just watching this yeah. because she's been questioned, like, she's been basically by her dad, forced to babysit him. Yeah. It's just like,
1: you have to be actually kidding me. I will say, um, a character that I respect a lot, Willa, oh, yeah. um, she just wants the money, dude. And, and, like and the, she's blatantly open and she's about like, it. she's like, she's not hiding it. She's like, if, if this isn't good for you, I will leave. And he's like, no, it's fine. I, I will pay you to be my girlfriend and fund all of your projects and she's like all right cool like,
0: like I'm here. i here.
1: I respect that you know she's true to her own principles whether
0: they're flawed or not. No, i agree with you. Um for me yeah anytime who's, who's your character this this might be easy but i feel like this is right because i this character Logan Roy yes basically gets put into like you know he's going to be shitty he's going to be condescending all these things true whenever he opens his mouth i am glued to the screen because true. It, it, in all seriousness, because of the presence that he brings to the screen, yeah, right, it's just like when he opens his mouth, it, it's almost uh, the right, It's almost like he's breaking the fourth wall because, like, when he opens his mouth, everybody shuts up in the show. Right. But I shut up too. Yeah, like, like when Logan's going through one of his bent. I mean, when Kendall's going through one of his benders or whatever. Yeah. Right. I'm like, okay, I've seen this before. Da da da. When Logan Roy opens his mouth. I am glued to the screen. That's fair. And and that, that exceeds the story, that exceeds the actual show. That's a reaction that I have as an audience member. Yeah. When he opens his mouth, I am glued to whatever he says.
1: I, I agree with you. Logan, um, very well cast. Oh yeah. Uh he does he plays the part well, but he goes beyond just playing the part well and he has a, a presence and like a almost bravado where oh, yeah. he's like I can't imagine many people doing that well in that role.
0: No, it, it's... So, Brian Cox is the guy that plays Logan Roy. Yeah. It's it, it It's just a presence that he brings to... He's not, like... Oh, the first episode of the, of the entire show, right, like, is he tells Kendall that he's gonna stay on for a couple more years mm-hmm. and stuff of like that, and you can physically see that Kendall was clenching his fists. Yeah. He is irate. He's upset. Like... Logan Roy is a is a fragile old older man whose mind is escaping him, right? Basically, right. And in that moment, he belittles his grown son, yes. who is going to be the the successor yeah, to his, his show, his number one boy, as he says, right. His, his my number one, <laughs> my number one boy, <laughs>
1: like that. That scene, I think, honestly, um, the Ken, no- Kendall's relapse and um, accidental manslaughter of the waiter, <laughs> yeah, um, probably revitalized Logan's brain oh because he saw an opportunity to be Logan Roy again and his brain was like I'm going to fail you and he's like no you're not allowed to
0: no he completely overpowered but like the the part where he looks right at him and like Kendall is irate and he's about to just flip out I mean he looks dead into his eyes, he's yep. shorter than him, he's looking up at him and he's like he's like, "Are you going to hit me?" Yeah he's like, "Are you going to cry?" <laughs> yeah. And he beli- he makes him feel like a child. He plays
1: the role of like old money billionaire uh, so good. like better than anybody I could have imagined. Um, I do like that the most high profile actors in the show are like uh." Kiernan Culkin is the little brother of Macaulay Culkin, Um, and Greg was in, like, a Disney movie. Right. That's, like, the extent of where you know these characters from, and yet they're also like, well done.
0: I think that's why it works, because when you're watching the movie, right, I mean, you're watching the show, you're not thinking to yourself, like, oh, that's, you know, Matt Damon, or that's George Clooney, or, you know, that's, that's, you know, Robert Robert De Niro. Right. You know what I mean? You're thinking that's the character that they're playing. You're so sucked in because you have nothing to really... All of these people have had character acting roles, but they've never, you know, been leading.
1: Right, and I would say it it reminds me of um, two of my favorite shows, The Sopranos yep. and Game of Thrones, yep. where the actors are relatively unknown. I know Sean Bean uh, was obviously a high-profile actor, but for the most part... Didn't know any of those actors, and then, I would say before the Sopranos started, I, were they like would you have recognized them
0: from? No, me? James Gandolfini was a character. I mean, he was in True Romance, right. the movie we watched, but he was a character actor. He
1: never had. He was never a movie star. No. The way like, I think, I think that's that's definitely one of the reasons why I like the show so much is, uh, I don't none of the characters over actors overpower the character.
0: Right, and you're not sitting, like I said, you're not getting lost in who the actor is. Like, right. You've just accepted them as the character that they're playing. Exactly. And and that that lets you suck in, like, get sucked into the story.
1: I'm with you 100%. Um, all right, I think that, that'll wrap up our um, succession discussion. We'll probably be talking about it more as the season goes on. There will be more. There will be more. Uh, that was episode 3. We've got what seven more this and season 10 yeah um and then it it did get renewed for season 3 it's not going anywhere and uh um i guess if you're listening at this point you know it's a great show absolutely uh if you have somehow kept listening even though you've never seen it please go watch go it go ahead and watch it because um we we want this show to go on and uh you know reach the heights of cultural popularity that it deserves to absolutely um so that's going to wrap up Stats on deck number 15 coming at you at the end of August. Uh, we'll have more content for you in the coming weeks. We've got the NFL starting up, baseball winding down, NBA and NHL on the horizon. Yep, we're not quite there, but and we'll be playoffs. We can see, it. yeah, we got some playoff stuff, um, more succession talk. Uh, once I catch up on Mindhunter, we can talk about that, too. Oh, we can have um, a three-hour pod We, on we might just do a Mindhunter podcast in general. And then uh, we're going to be working on a Breaking Bad rewatch yes.
0: podcast. In preparation for in, the movie. In
1: preparation for El Camino. El Camino! Um, I will say, you haven't seen Better Call Saul, right?
0: I have, I have seen up until season two.
1: Okay. Uh, I think... You can verify at that point, like it's a great show. It's phenomenal. Um I'm I'm c I am i am i do not think we're getting the next season till twenty twenty, but um as long as those guys are in charge of it, I have high hopes. Yep. So uh we'll keep an eye on that. Couldn't go through the podcast. Yeah, you have about to say that. it once one time. Um <laughs> I'm Nick Laporte. Find me on Twitter at Nick Laporte with a zero instead of an O. You can find Jake Adams on twitter at from state Farm with fours instead of a's follow us on twitter stats on deck pod stats on we've got written content coming up uh when the as often as possible um and uh s- by Sunday I will have something up comparing the n l East teams to Roy family members from succession uh keep keep an eye on that um Jake. Boom baby. Ghost ball.